find myself in the car, like after Raw, going, Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, and I have a boatload of information to provide you with this week, as I do each and every week. Very special guest incoming, Mustafa Ali, will be joining the show. And of course, to help me navigate the choppy waters of the WWE universe, he is the star child to my demon. He is the voice of NXT 2.0, Mr. Vic Joseph. Vic, what's the word, my friend? Having a great old week myself here, Mr. Graves. I want to say thank you to you specifically because it was this week, five years ago, that I made my WWE televised debut on main events, Grand Rapids, Van Andel Arena is, I believe, what the uh, venue was. And you introduced me and what a photo I still have, literally taken off television, of my little haircut. Childish oh, yes. smile. I, I saw it on the Instagram. Uh, a young fro thing you had going at the time. It wasn't a fro. It was a pompadour, Vic. Whatever. Pompadour. I don't know. I'm not and I hate that photo as, as I saw it when you posted it on your Why? social media. Because I look, I'm about 20 pounds heavier. It was in a very dark place in my life. And I think I was enjoying a little too much beer at that time in my career. Well, yes. Yeah, so over the last five years, I was about the time. Because the first time I met Corey Graves in the WWE, I asked him for advice. He gave me advice. Quit and now. And then... No, that was not oh. your advice. And then uh, a couple months later, he sat down with me after I got in the car, became the wheel man on a drive. And uh, you said to me, yeah, man, I got to admit, Michael Cole came up and he said, what do you think of the new guy? And I said, eh, nothing special. And I said, thanks, man. Really appreciate it. And here we are. Here we are now, all these years later. Uh, so I remember that I've actually gone back and watched that main event episode okay. from 2017. Holy crap. I was terrible. Probably still am now to a lot of people, but it it was rough. And then I think it was like two weeks later, I did 205 Live when 205 Live was still being filmed after SmackDown. Right. You were with me on 205 Live. And then Great Balls of Fire was my first premium live event that we call now. And then on to SummerSlam. So all these little milestones and things I've checked off my you know, box in my brain as a child. You've been there every step of the way. So it was fun to go back and relive five years where I started, what I've done, where I'm at now, and obviously sitting here with you on After the Bell every Friday. Well, congratulations. What a long, strange trip it's been. Nothing makes me feel aged quite like when you say five years ago when I first started. And I'm like, oh, Vic's still the new guy in my mind. I just... I feel just you mean I'm the new guy. There's been a lot of people that have come and gone. You're right. I'm just saying in my mind, as far as our team and the way I relate to everything, you're still the newest guy on the team. I know you, uh, you're not a new guy. I'm just telling you how my you just mind want me operates. to keep driving. So you're going to use the vet card. Hey, you're, you're exactly still the new guy, right? Get your ass in the front seat. I'm in the back. You have pinpointed it that and go exactly pick up the van. What I was concerned with. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. 
Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. I didn't do it intentionally when I gave you the intro, but I, I realized that I threw a kiss reference into the top of After the Bell because you... We've talked about many times on this show are a gigantic fan of the band Kiss, and you actually got to see them live this week. Went to Rockville uh, in Daytona. I've seen them about a dozen times, five times already or four times on this end-of-the-line tour. We took Mackenzie, first time she's ever seen him. I was all excited. She tapped me on the shoulder and said, Babe, they're old. They need to stop. <laughs> I said, What do you mean they're old? She goes, Honey. Look at them. They could croak at any second. They're in their seventies. Wow. Like they wow. need to stop. That and is I stiff. looked, I, I, it was, and I looked up and as she said that Gene was wincing in pain, trying to play the guitar. And then I realized the same jokes they were saying were the same ones I had not only heard in 2005 or in 1999, but in 1995 on the reunion tour. And I was like, Oh man, this is the same shtick. She goes, they got to stop. It's the end of the line, literally. They need to stop. And I was so bummed because the more I thought about it, they didn't hit the notes. They weren't singing the songs. They were just up there dancing. I mean, Paul's got knee braces on, and you can see them on the outside of the Star Child costume. <laughs> and and they got the wrist tape on. And, and I'm like, oh, come on. And it was kind of like, mm, maybe you're right. And then before the show, Dan goes, Gene Simmons is 72, and I'm like, oh, come. I still think they're 50. Yeah. And even then, it's like just – See, uh, it's the exact same. Like, Kiss is not old uh, in your brain because you relate to them from a certain point in time, much like I relate to you from being a certain point in time. And I can relate to this issue because I, too, went to a rock and roll show actually last night before we recorded this, and I checked out one of my favorite bands ever, the Afghan Wigs. They were sort of big, but my little band that I've kept in my pocket all along, big fan, still listen to them regularly. Saw them live a couple years ago in Orlando with uh, our good friend Robbie Brookside. We had ourselves quite a time. An amazing night. Show was packed. It was loud. They sounded great. Saw them last night, and it was uh, underwhelming. I'll just leave it at that. It just it, I felt old because I looked at the crowd, and I was somehow almost literally, Carmelo was the youngest person in, in the venue uh, at this rock and roll show. And everybody was just like wearing polo shirts and khakis. And it was like, wait a minute, this dangerous rock and roll band is not quite dangerous. I feel like I'm hanging out at, at a cookout with my parents or something like that. It, it just made me feel very old and ancient. You just didn't have uh, that underground vibe. Yeah. I don't know what it was, man. It was just very, very strange. It was a small venue, this place called Mr. Smalls here in Pittsburgh. R really great. It's like an old church they've converted. I've seen a bunch of really great shows there over the years and, and they sounded okay it's just i don't know it, it, and they all looked a little bit older and maybe a little bit slower and I, just the whole crowd it just it was a very 
sad reality to me to be there willingly to watch this show and realize, oh man, I'm not a kid anymore. This, this fun rock and roll band that I used to, you know, rock out and go crazy at it and get, you know, get messed up and have a, have a great party. And it was like, oh man, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an adult now. It's a very, very sad reality to face. It's part of aging. I still had a great time. I will tell you the best artist we saw, surprisingly, was Papa Roach. They put on a show. I mean, Clutch was great. Zach Wilde was awesome. But Papa Roach came out, and you could see the crowd at this festival, just the wave as they were getting in. I don't know what it was. I, I don't think I'd seen them live in probably 20 years. But, man, they brought the energy, and it was just like it took, that, that took you back in time. You th- I thought I was back in high school. That's, I guess, maybe to correlate it to your feeling. I was like, wow. I also didn't realize how many WWE-related songs Papa Roach had. Because I was like, wait a minute. This was the Raw theme. Wait a minute. That was the Raw theme. I think that was Unforgiven, you know, 2007 or something like that. I mean, it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very strange, the imprint that Papa Roach has on WWE when you look back. Isn't it? It is. It's very strange. There are a couple of bands like that. And anyone listening is going, wait, why aren't you talking about WWE? Because uh, it's my podcast and I'm just rolling through the momentum that starts each and every Monday in the locker room where we talk. Myself, Jimmy, MVP, the, the crew hangs out and talks music. This is how we spend our days waiting for Monday Night Raw to begin is chatting about shows and this, that, and the other thing. And that's what's on my mind right now. And I've had the Judgment Days theme song in my head for about nine straight days. And I still don't know the lyrics. So I just find myself in the car, like after Raw, driving back to Nashville, going, Yeah, I just just make those noise. (laughs) I'm I'm sure I could just, you know, remedy that with a quick Google search. But I just like, that's that's I'm running out of steam, Vic. I mean, I, that's, I'm, I'm imagining us in the car because it's not been long ago that we were doing that to Yellow Card, right? Where we forget right. the words and you kind of just Ocean Avenue. <laughs> <You> <laughs> just fake it till you get to the point. Exactly, exactly. But we do have a lot of stuff to talk about. We'll get to the Judgment Day uh, in a little bit because I, I think I was invited to join. But uh, before we get to that, I want to talk about what's on everybody's mind right now this week. That being all of the gold in the WWE now belongs to the bloodline. All of the gold meaning universal world, now unified tag team champions. Uh, Vic, I'm going to just come right out and say it. I think it is time. I think it's beyond time. I think we take the final step. I think we need to unify the United States and intercontinental championships as well. You've said that a few times, I think, even on and off air. And if, if you do unify those championships as well, what's do you just have one massive roster do you still have a brand split i know you have two separate shows right but my, my pitch has always been between the two they, right. they, you know my pitch has always been since i i think i pitched right in the infancy of atb back when i would sit down and not have any idea what i was supposed to talk about <laughs> i was just learning how to podcast i i brought something Fake to be make it we just talked about it with singing exactly and uh, is to to unify and i love having the champions float because to me, it just makes everything feel more important. There's only one top guy now. Roman Reigns is that dude, period. On Raw, on SmackDown, on, I mean, NXT has their own champions, but as far as representing and being the face of WWE, it's Roman Reigns right now. You, It's an inarguable fact. Now you've got the Usos. They are the face of tag team wrestling in WWE. 
let's take the next step. I mean, you may have to add another member to the bloodline of which we know there's no shortage of options. Uh, but I think at the intercontinental and in the United States, geographically speaking, I think it's quite almost technically the same title, right? Wouldn't the intercontinental. I don't think you get an argument for me. Yeah. I mean, no one's ever accused me of being great at geography, but I, I think it's, I think it's time to do that. Let's take the final step. And then, you know, the, if the, the intercontinental championship is what stays, then that gets defended sometimes on Friday night SmackDown. And sometimes it happens on raw. Maybe there's a story on, you know, at NXT, but having the champions float to me, just it freshens everything up and it makes everything more important because there's less of them supply and demand. If there's only a handful of titles, the titles all become more valuable. I think it's, I think it's high time we do this. I also think it brings a little bit of un- unpredictability to a certain degree because you never know when that champion is going to show up on Raw or SmackDown or whom is going to call out said champion on Raw or SmackDown and, and, and what rivalries you could have. And what else I like about it is it forces the rest of the roster who may not be in a championship picture to step up their game yeah. because I think – we're guilty at times of, of utilizing a championship almost as a crutch for the story mechan- the storytelling mechanism. It's an easy story to tell. Everybody wants to be champion. But if you, let's take the championship out of the picture and let's see how Ricochet does or how Gunther, what he's capable of. And watching these, these characters develop as characters individually without the championship. So then that way, when they set their sights on a championship, now you care about their journey to the top of the mountain. Rather than going, okay, everybody wants to be at the top of the mountain. Oh, here, it's this guy's turn. Oh, it's this woman's turn. Here, oh, let's give them a shot. Now it's, the championship is what it's about, but you need to do your own work on your own and not to use too inside baseball of a term here, but you get yourself over so that people go, hmm, I think that guy's ready for Roman Reigns. I think that guy's ready for a crack at the Intercontinental Championship or the United States Championship or whatever you decide to name it. Would you agree? Well, you talk about the journey, and that's what we talked about with NXT. You get a chance to sink your teeth into an aspiring superstar, and right. you could go with the journey through NXT to Raw, SmackDown, whatever it may be, their ultimate goal of main eventing WrestleMania. I think of it, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, when the undisputed championship came out in the early two, the one that you know Brock had when he beat The Rock at SummerSlam, that champion floated. That wasn't a single brand champion. He was going all over the place, and you just never knew what was gonna what was gonna happen. So the journey is cool, and yes, it helps with the characters because, like you said, the less titles, the more people have to step up their game. Even in NXT, people forget that within the year, we've unified the cruiserweight championship in and the North American, American championship, and now that whole quote unquote division has molded itself into one. And you just get so many more opportunities to see so many different stars step up in a light that you never saw them before. Solo Sokoa is a great example. You know, right. and NXT is getting to step up right now. You are forced to stand up and step up or yeah. else you, you fall by the wayside. And if you don't have the, the championship to show everybody that you are a star, you have to teach them that you're a star in another manner. And it goes all the way back to like what's happening in NXT 2.0 right now. It, it's sort of reminiscent of how NXT was when I was part of it, when I was still competing, how, you you had to make yourself stand out and the fans would latch on because then you got the character in its infancy and you watched, you know, a Seth Rollins at, at Full Sail University who is extremely different from the Seth Rollins you see on, on Raw these days, but people got hooked then and the fans then get to take the journey and 
ride through the evolution and development of these stars. And it's like, it's kind of a great tie into talking about music. It's like going to find a, a great local band that you follow and you go, oh my God, hey, they, I saw these guys open for so-and-so band, but now I'm a fan of them and now I'm going to watch them and I'm going to grow. I remember seeing uh, Kid Rock in a venue here in Pittsburgh in front of about 200 people and Stained opened for him. And I remember going, who is Stained and why, why did they spell care? their name wrong? <laughs> and then the next thing you know, they're, they're the next big thing in rock and roll. Obviously, this is years back, but you, you keep an eye on it. And if you kind of take that mentality and apply it to our business, I think it's pretty similar with, with superstars rather than bands. I think the other thing that's interesting, too, with unifying championships, um, as you've mentioned, is those divisions or those bodies that everybody are in, you then can have so many different matches that don't even feature the title with those trying to reach that. Correct. Goal. One of my favorite things to watch as a fan is the King of the Ring qualifiers back in the day where you just had two random guys, but you got it. You didn't really see them every week, but you knew what they were going for. You knew they were trying to qualify for the King of the Ring tournament and you get some great matches out of that. So if you can imagine taking a unified title and then now you have a whole field of 15 to 20 superstars that now have meaning because they're all trying to vie for one title rather than having six going for one. You now can triple that and have them go for a ton. I think it just opens the door to so many different possibilities, avenues, and and different sort of unique matches that we've never seen before that we then can have on a Monday or a Friday or a premium live event. Throw it out there. See what happens. I like it. I like it. While we're throwing things out in the universe, get this, Vic. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you off on a little sidebar here, as I often do. Actually, that's kind of your wheelhouse, your specialty. Thing. You've been doing it a lot more We're lately. We're talking about way. championships, though. And as we know, here's a non-update for you. Still don't know anything more about the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship picture, but we do know that there will be a future tournament. Again, no details on that yet. Still waiting to find out what that's going to look like. But looking across the board, there, there's a, definitely a shortage of women's tag teams full-time tag teams, not just temporary alliances where it's, you know, hey, let's team up. Now we have a run with the titles and now it's two new people's turn. Making it a focus, making it relevant. What about if we had like a badass dominant female tag team in WWE? And I know that the first name that comes to mind is currently occupied with the Judgment Day, but let's say like a Rhea Ripley and maybe Shayna Baszler or Shotzi or somebody with that edgy sort of look and have like true dominant, like female road warrior types in the women's division. We've never had that before. You want a little bit more grit and, and less glam. Yeah. Like two women. Yeah. Yeah. Two women who just show up and beat the hell out of everybody. Like the road warriors did for years. And that's why the road warriors today are synonymous with tag team wrestling, arguably the greatest tag team of all time. From a, from a popularity perspective, I think it's, I think it's high time we get a couple. Maybe there's maybe Raquel Gonzalez and Rhea. I mean, two big dominant. They're friends. I, I mean, you've seen it on social media. It goes back to NXT. It's not that's not out of the realm of possibility. You just want to see what you're trying. It is two badass women just maul the hell out of everybody. Yeah, basically. Which I don't think uh, most of the audience would be like, oh, no, that's silly. Because you're right. It's something we haven't seen. I go back and think of all the champions that we've had. for, And even in NXT, it's always – it's never been that. I can't even recall a female in the last 15 years that's just been a, a, a mauler. You got to go back to China. Right. As far as physically dominant to that level. 
like you as a man watching and like, oh, she could kick my ass. Right, right. I, I don't know. I think it's kind of a, and maybe it's not Rhea and somebody. Maybe it's, maybe it's Shotzi and Raquel or maybe it's somebody from NXT. I, I'm just saying, I think it's a cool concept that we've never really, we haven't seen, we haven't explored. And I think it's time that we see that. That's all. I'm just wanted to pontificate. You see like Rhonda's a badass. Like you yes. know she's a badass. She's the baddest woman on the planet, but she doesn't have that aura. That's what I'm getting. There's not yeah. that something about her you can't quite figure out, but you know there's something there, and you wouldn't want to meet her in an alley. Of course, all of our women are badasses in their own right, obviously, to be a, a superstar in WWE. I'm just saying the presentation, I, I don't know. You, you look over in Japan, it was more common. You would see, you know, an Akira Hokuto would come out with, like, that weird, almost like a oxygen mask. You've got, uh, you know, Bull Nakano and Aja Kong, all these real, like, scary dominant women i just think we haven't had one of those in wwe and i think it's uh i think it's something that may be appetizing to a lot of people you're throwing a lot of stuff out there on this episode and you've brought up something about five times what's that the judgment day okay now i'm not blind to what i see on social media and i'm not seeing things that get tweeted to you would you join I am not at liberty to divulge any information regarding any potential opportunities or status with the Judgment Day or any other groups within WWE or beyond. And uh, luckily, Vic, I cannot answer you you because Uh, our guest has just joined the chat. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to After the Bell, Mustafa Ali. Ali, welcome back to ATB. My producer informed me that the last time you joined us on this show was in November of 2020. So obviously there's a lot of ground to cover. I don't expect to, uh, to even get, you know, toward the tip of the iceberg, but, uh, we've got a lot of catching up to do, man. You, you recently returned to Monday night raw after a somewhat public, uh, spat dispute, uh, disagreement, whatever the, the word is to the best of your comfort level. What can you tell us about where you've been? Well, I'm I'm very comfortable talking about it. I believe private conversations are meant to be private. Understood. The reason it went public is because that private conversation went nowhere. So anyone that truly knows me, and I know there's a you know a portion of the audience that was like, how unprofessional. Anyone that's ever worked with me, dealt with me as a human being knows how much I love this place, how much I love sports entertainment, how much I love wrestling. This is the only thing I ever want to do. For me to even get to that point, that's the issue. You know, everyone's judging the action. They're not judging the intention behind the action. Corey, you know me, Vic, you know me. Imagine how much it would take for me to try to leave. So I think that's the conversation. That's the hot topic. And again, there's situations that I can't publicly discuss, but that's what I would want to say about that whole issue. The only reason I got to that point is because there was no other option. It's incredible the things that you'll do when you're, when your back's against the wall and you're fighting for survival. And I wouldn't have done something that unless I believed in it. And I, and I still stand by that choice to this day. I, I did what I had to do. Um, and for those of you who don't know, I took a little bit of what it's called sabbatical, a little bit of a sabbatical, you know, hanging out. Um, but always got to flip it, you know, try to look at the positive things. It wasn't intentional, but the one huge positive out of the whole thing is um, my daughter, my youngest daughter, Lua, was born uh, in, in November. So I actually got to be home for the first couple of months for the full process. Like my other two kids, I was there, but I wasn't there every day. I was on the road doing tours in London, UK, whatever, coming back, seeing them for two days and back on the road. Like, but you know, this time around, again, it wasn't the intention, but I'm trying to look at the positive out of that crazy time was, uh, I was there for the whole deal, you know? 
So I, I would have to imagine that while you were away, you had plenty of time to reflect, sort of, you know, try to come up with a game plan, try to remedy whatever was ailing you at the time. Obviously, you're back in the fold now. You're back on Monday Night Raw. Was there a moment, was there an aha moment or something that you realized where you went, okay, this is what I have to do? I know we've talked backstage about, we, we've been using the word disruptor on right. commentary because that, that there's certainly an element of truth to that. You, you've are trying to change your circumstance and the status quo as you see it. And, and you're now taking that in front of the camera to WWE. Was there a moment or something that, that inspired you to finally go, okay, now is the time. I mean, and I, and I appreciate the softball question and I want to give you the, the right answer, but it's a new me. And I, I just can't be anything other than brutally honest. No, there wasn't an aha moment. The reality of it is I've just realized my problem was that I cared too much. I'm this super passionate guy. And I remember um, uh, one of the commentators, I, I'm not exactly sure who it was, but I remember they, I was giving them details about what the story was or what I'm trying to go for. And I'm like, hey, if you can get this. And it was Kevin, I'm sorry, it was Kevin Patrick, one of the newer uh, commentators here at WWE. And he said that he asked you about me. And Corey says, the one thing about Ali, he's, he sees it all. Like, so if he's telling you something, like he's, he's thought about it. So to go back to your question, the aha moment was like, you got to control your passion. That's I'm a really passionate guy when it comes to this. And it's not just about me. I'm, I'm the guy that goes, oh, we can make this guy look even bigger if we shot it this way. And what about this? And then he looks great. And then, oh, well, we, we got to you know give us some cushion for that. Like I'm the mad scientist sometimes. And I majority of the guys that I get to perform with are kind of like, so what are we doing? Like that's the trust level I have now with the performers and the producers. So when you ha have this super passionate guy that just feels like he's running into wall after wall after wall, the sad reality is, and I probably not something I should say, but here, here goes the disruptor getting himself in trouble again. I've just controlled my passion now. You know, I've just, okay. It's that's, funny that's to hear you say that though, to, to actually verbalize that, because I don't think that's a problem that's necessarily unique to Ali. I think there's probably right. a lot of people, I, I can relate to that as you just, because you, you're right, you, you feel so passionately. Most of us have worked the majority of our lives to get to this point. And you're not going to put that much work into any aspect of life unless you love it so much. And, right. and, and it does get frustrating. And, and we all have our frustrations. We have a lot of superstars come on here. And Dolph Ziggler, a few months ago, was talking about how you know he had a lull in his career and he wasn't necessarily doing what he wanted to do. And he felt like he was punching a clock. But then every once in a while, that's why I asked, you get that aha moment or there's something where you go, I got to do that, you know? Absolutely. And when I'm in there, man, like autopilot takes over. And then I do care. Like you, you've seen the short matches that I've had when I'm back. I'm still trying to, I'm, I'm doing the job to the best of my ability and then some. But I, I realized the problem was, again, I hate to use the word, but just, just caring too much about how it should be, or at least in my mind. Um, and then to go back to the disruptor thing, like that's, that's not a new thing. I think it's a, it's a, it's a thing I, I vocalized, but like, to me, a disruptor is a guy that disrupts the plans. He's not, he's not someone you plan for, but he comes in and he messes everything up. That was me since I came into WWE in 2016, the Cruiserweight Classic. I wasn't supposed to be in the tournament. I was a backup. Then me and Lindsay Dorado have this match, like tear it up. And like slowly, 205 starts, not a main focal point. It was uh, the whole top cast of 205. I was all the way at the bottom. I was even told when I signed with WWE, that my job was to be kind of more of an enhancement guy on 205 Live. Really? And how did I leave that brand? I became the heart of 205 Live. Like, same thing on SmackDown. Like, this guy's small. He's not. So I'm constantly, I like to say, messing up their plans or disrupting up their plans. So, like, 
when I had that conversation with you, that was just me finding, okay, this is like kind of a moniker or a term that we can play with because that's the reality of the situation. I just come in and kind of mess things up and leave for a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. You know, you talk about 205 Live, you and I, that's where we connected. That's where our story began, and it went all the way to WrestleMania. You and I will always be linked with that WrestleMania match because you're right. What you just told Corey is 100% the truth because I remember us having these conversations about, wait a minute, what can we do? How can I help? And the one thing you said earlier in this interview was believe in it. And I know how passionate you are. And I, and I do want to know how much pressure you put on yourself to get your message across because deep down, there's a message when it comes yeah. to you. And you and I have talked about that privately, if you want to share this publicly. Yeah, man. And again, it's another thing where it's like, I I don't want to necessarily define myself by this message, but it is so important. And the message, the message isn't meant to be everything, but it's like, it's also something where it's like, isn't this a cool concept? And the easiest way for me to kind of uh, reiterate it is I'll always remember, I want to say it's like 2019 Hall of Fame. And I brought my wife with me and my wife is this, uh, is, is this clearly Muslim girl, right? She wears a hijab, but we're all dolled up and I'm walking her on a red carpet and there's doing interviews and man, the amount of press that she got this visibly what Muslim girl for the first time walking a WWE hall of fame, red carpet. And I'm the one doing all the interviews, but everyone's like, Oh my God, how cool is that? There's a Muslim woman on WWE TV. And to a lot of people that goes, well, what does it matter? It matters to girls that look like her, right. that they see that it matters to guys that have names like Mustafa or Muhammad. It, it matters, man. And I'm not saying I should get something because of it. I'm just saying that's pretty cool. You're the guy that's in a position to do, to something. do that. When I grew up, my representation on TV was Apu from the Simpsons. That's it. Yeah. I didn't have a guy. 
You know, some, some people are like, oh, that's my guy. And that's my guy. And I can relate to, oh, he's from my city. I had nothing, man. It, especially in wrestling. Yeah. You know, I had nothing. I had nothing. I go, I aspire to be that guy. So I'm not saying that I'm this like groundbreaking, like, but at the same time, who's, who checks the boxes the way I do. So I just think it's such a missed marketing concept or even like good PR or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's the message that's important to me. I'm not saying that because I'm from this background or because I have this name or religion, it's important. I'm saying none of that should define you because look, in the real world, sometimes that stuff does define you. Sometimes it does limit you. I'm living proof that if you work 10 times harder than everybody, you can make it. Like again, back to my con- the, the, the story of how I got into WWE. I wasn't supposed to be here, but a guy named Mustafa Ali at one point is competing for the WWE championship, um, you know, against uh, like Kevin Owens, Daniel Bryan. I, I, like I've done these things, you know, I, I was in contention be- to have a WrestleMania match at one point. Like I did that. So like, they can't take that away from me. But to go back to what Vic's saying, that, that message is kind of like the sweet, like the, the cherry on top. You know, I don't want it to be everything. I don't want it to be the defining role, but like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm damn proud of it. While you're in the process of defining who Mustafa Ali is within the, the world of WWE, what's the next step? What's your immediate goal now that you're back in the fold? I mean, back in the fold, and again, it's it's just so much emphasis. I I can't stress enough what it would mean to not just me, but I think a lot of people and people not just from my background, but to hear the new United States champion, Mustafa Ali. This is America, man. This is the United States. Like sometimes I don't feel like I'm at home, even though I'm from Chicago, born and raised here, a former police officer. Like you know, when the when the national anthem plays, I stand up. But sometimes I feel like I'm not at home. Dive into that. Talk to me a little bit more about that. That's some, obviously, I mean, I, I can't necessarily relate to that. Yeah, it's, it's always a weird concept. And, you know, my earliest recollection of it is, unfortunately, it's, it's 9-11. Did you become aware because the world became aware? Sort of, obviously, it was a negative, there was a negative connotation because of the event of September right. 11th. But was that a case where you, as a kid growing up, you didn't necessarily look at yourself as differently, but then you sort yeah. of went, Oh, wait, I guess. 100%. And like, yeah, I mean, kids are going to be kids, right? Like, I'm sure someone said something once in a while. Like, I referenced a poop earlier before people probably said my name with the Indian accent or whatever. But 9-11 was the first time I felt like, because I'm different, uh, physical harm can come to me and my family. That was the first time I've ever felt that. And I'll always remember um, being in class. And because 9-11 was obviously this, this national tragedy, um, teachers were kind of talking about it in class and you know we're having these open pretty mature conversations and i remember just kind of saying something along along the lines of like yeah i can't believe this happened to us and i'll never forget the kid in front of me turned around looked at he goes us your people did that and i and the teacher and nobody said anything and like you have to realize this this person in front of me i thought of as as a friend yeah and i'm looking around and man i've never felt more alone like ever so that image is like burned in my head they your people did that you're bro i'm american like what right, right. i was so confused and i was saying the same i i I'm, i live down the street from here i come to school here i'm i'm american i love apple pie like i don't know what you want from me you know what i mean and that's when the first time it, yeah it became glaringly um you know like a sad reality to me that this is this is the world i live in where i have to make sure that you know 
I'm on your side. Like I'm, I'm one of the, and that's sad, man. Like we, that's the beauty of this country, right? Like people from different backgrounds, freedom, the brave, all, all that, like, let's stand by it. But you know, when a time, when a tragedy like this or fear hits, it's scary to me how quickly we let go of those principles and these, the, the, the foundation of what this country is supposed to be standing upon, you know, and hiding behind, you know, fears and, and, and tragedies. Um, but yeah, that's, that's been something with me for most of my adult life. So how, how have you managed to stop that sort of issue that you've been dealing with, you know, throughout, throughout your life and how have you prevented yourself from letting that turn into anger and, and you sort of lashing out or becoming a negative regarding that because your message is very one is one of positivity and inclusion and saying, Hey, look, you're going to, you're going to lead by example when very easily you could say, Oh, screw this. I'm, I'm going the other way. I'm taking the, the, the easy way out. There's two principles that come to mind. One is, and I'm not, I'm not saying you think of this of me, Corey or Vic, but no, let's no, say no. you guys think, of, no, I'm just giving an example. I'm I, saying I think it's very important you, to have this conversation for everybody yeah, listening. So yeah, I, yeah. that's why I'm, but I'm saying, um, if anyone, and I'm just using you guys as an example, if you guys have the preconceived idea that someone from my background or my religion is, is, is violent or is aggressive or, you know, uh, uncivil and you say something hateful to me, but then I respond back saying something uncivil or vile or whatever, I've kind of reiterated your point, right? Like if you're saying this guy is, you know, this, 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 and I, and I, and I spew hate back at you, I've kind of reiterated your point. But if you say all these things about me that I'm uncivil, I'm immature, I'm, I'm, I'm violent. And you say this to me, but I go, Corey, I I don't know what's bugging you, man, but I hope whatever's bugging you is, uh, you know, you figure it out. And if you need my help, I'm here. I've kind of already dismantled your whole point. You've disarmed us. Yeah. Right. Right. So that's how I deal with, and I hate even talking about social media because the older I get, I just realize how useless it is in reality. But social <laughs> media is an example, right? Like, uh, like people would say these things, and I go back to the Hall of Fame example. I took a picture with my wife, and she has her, her job on, and you know we're smiling. And I, this one comment was, uh, "This is America. Tell her to get that rag off her head." Oh, come on! And and no, but. As vile as it is, the, the response is what basically disarmed this guy. And I said like something like my brother or something like that. I go, this is America. And her wearing that is the most American thing that she can do. You saying that is the most un-American thing you can do. And I've, so I've already dismantled this Patriots like argument, you know, right, like you're being right. un-American, you're, you know. And I just remember all the comments just like, you know, bearing <laughs> this guy afterwards. But like, that's, that's one approach. One approach I have is like, they throw hate at you, like smile at them and wish them well, you know? That's tough. That's that sometimes that's the hardest route to take because I know I'm an emotional guy and I, I'm, my instinct is to fire back, you know, Save. me, no, F you. Yeah, yeah. F you twice. Yeah. 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 So, uh, I mean, and, and, and the other principle, and I'm trying to gather my thoughts here, I'm just, and I hope this sounds right. I'm just kind of so tired of proving how American I am. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, I'm sick of the, the struggle behind it. Like having to explain, Oh, by the way, I'm from Chicago. Like right. if, if, when I meet someone, they go, Oh, where are you from? And I go, Chicago. And they go, no, but like, where are you from? From listen, do I'm, am I asking you if your ancestors are from Ireland or you're like, you, you said you're from Boston. And I let it go. Right. Like yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. the same thing, but it's, I think I have to like pull that back even too, because again, I judge by people's, 
intentions, not their actions. This person doesn't mean to offend me, right? This person is just trying to get to know me and, and is assuming that because I'm, I am what I look like, that I'm from somewhere else. So then I have to give them like, well, my mom's from here. My dad's from here. But I was born here. I'm like, oh, so you're American. Yeah, that's, I'm American. That's, that's how we started this conversation. Thanks yeah, for that's how it started. Yeah. So it's a little bit of both. Yeah, like respond, respond with, you know, this positivity. But the other thing is like, kind of tired of the fight, man. I'm a, I'm a tired old man now. <laughs> You're not an old man, dude. But, you know, you talk about the outlet and the approach and the response. Is that why you create or try to create so many different types of videos to use as promotion that we've seen on your social yeah. media? Is that a creative outlet for you? Yeah, 100%, man. And I actually have to thank um, Xavier Woods for that, that little bit of tidbit advice, because uh, back to 205 Live, and I'm for those of you who don't know, 205 Live is uh, the premier cruiserweight division show that basically did not get the love that it deserves. We had some bangers, man. On those, man. We had some really good matches. Yeah, and it's like, what a crew of guys. And I'll never forget, like, we did this one live event move. And, man, it was just so much fun. And the, the crowd that was there was, knew everybody. And it was like, man, it was, it was like one of the first times I kind of felt like a rock star doing this. You know what I mean? Like, we came in in a bus and people were, like, hounding us, like, it was such a great memory. We we were at the Mid Hudson Civic Center. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was great graves because I'm six foot six, and then all the cruiserweights <laughs> would come in the ring, and I'd have to like, I'm just gonna stand on the outside. There was like that little like, what the hell's going on here? We do remember like, <laughs> hey, make sure make sure Vic, Vic is sitting at all times. Um, but uh, yeah, about the the outlet. Um, so I remember in two hundred five live, um, you know, I had gotten some promo that was just like putting it nicely. It was not me, right? And I remember just kind of like venting to xavier woods at the time and i was like man you know i could say this and i could do this but and he's like did you show them I'm like, well, what, do you, what do you mean i'm like i'm pitching this, this he goes everyone here pitches everyone he goes you have to realize like how many times these writers or these producers have had a talent says hey by the way i can do this dance and they go okay great do this dance and then they can't do the dance he goes you have to record yourself doing the dance from four different angles from four different tracks and present all four options to them so they go, well, I didn't like that one. That one's cool. This one's even better. Oh, this one's perfect. He goes, that's on you. He goes, they, they can't see what you see. So I was like, so are you saying like make my own stuff? He's like, yeah. And I just remember the, the simplicity behind it. Like, yeah, you, they're not going to take you for your word. Go out and show them. So all the way back from 205 Live, I was cutting these kind of like street style vignettes where, you know, I, I had like a hoodie on. Like, I was just trying to be different. Yeah, I was just trying to be different. I remember one time I was cutting um, a promo for 205 Live for a Falls Count Anywhere match, and it just started raining and like not planned, just pouring. And I just looked at the camera guy. He's like, "Just, just keep going." And it was one of the best promos I cut because it was all dramatic and lightning yeah. was going off, and it's like it was cool. Um, so that stuff is like I get a lot of joy because it's kind of like no parameters. No one's like pulling me back. No one's saying make sure you say this buzzword that we need to promote. You know, like. Uh, like whatever um it's just a little bit more liberating a little bit more freedom when it comes to this art um and it's i think it's something that in this industry i'm one of the best at like you give me a camera and you give me a point that i need to get across um i'll do it uh the most recent one i did was like a parody of a news reporter and i don't think anyone's ever seen me do like comedy or you know be very sports entertainment oriented with my delivery but i basically did a promo on uh, theory the current united states champion where I dressed as a news anchor and a field reporter and as well as the people that I'm interviewing 
And uh, shout out to my boy, Matty Cox, a social media producer out of WWE. Because I had kind of like texted him about like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this idea where I'll go interview people. And he cut me off right there. He goes, I'm telling you right now, I know how you are. You're not going to like any of the responses. <laughs> do, do the people, like play the people yourself. And now you get to show off your range. You get to be five to six different characters in one promo. And I was like, oh, you're a genius. And like, yeah, I put it out there. And the, the love and traction that I got was amazing. Uh, I had like a bunch of WWE superstars texting me like, that's hilarious. Like, and of course me being, me, I tried to get it on the show, but it was too long, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's my thing, Vic. I, I love, if I have something to say, that's my outlet. That's what I, what I go to. I try to get a camera guy and, 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 and put something up, you know? That's my first, uh, re- me remembering of you being the light was you showing me this on your phone and you walking under a street light out yeah. of a corner. You know, and I always thought they were they were cool. And that gives, you know, guys like myself, Graves, Jimmy Smith, Nigel at the time, so much to work with that we now have something we visually can see and sink our teeth into to tell the story of whomever. Yeah, I think I think the biggest question in in the industry that we, is, is is why? Like, why do we do anything? Why is this guy fighting for or why is this guy fighting this guy? Why is this match happening? Why, why, why is the question? And if we can't answer why in that short little segment that we have, then it's my responsibility to develop the why online and then give you this one line like, hey, Corey, I don't know exactly how I'm going to do this thing, but I'm trying to get disruptor across. Like, that's what I'm trying to do. And in this segment today, we probably won't be able to get to it. But if you're able to throw it in there somehow, man, I appreciate it. And, and you did. And I appreciate that. And it's, there'll be a time, hopefully, on the show where I get to disrupt the show, where I get to, cause mayhem and then that tagline can really uh, uh take off but yeah that's i think why is why is everything yeah i agree with you wholeheartedly about the why being everything and vic and i were having a discussion earlier about uh unifying championships and how having less titles in wwe forces superstars and talent to step out of their comfort zone and develop their why and their persona and why do you care about this character chasing the championship rather than just this story is just about the championship and i think you you've said it even more eloquently than than we had that that is arguably the most important aspect of being a wwe superstar is having a character that people can connect with and feel and relate to beyond just oh i like that guy he does cool moves and he's the champion Right. And like, I did that, right. Like, uh, for a good portion, I was just the guy that did the cool moves and like, yeah, you get the, I don't want them just to think about me at the moment. I want them to leave the arena still thinking about me and like, Oh, that was messed up. What happened to him? So yeah, if you, if you don't have a why, then why would they care? I completely agree with you, man. Completely agree with you. Looking across the landscape now, obviously, uh, your, your focus is on Theory, the youngest United States champion in WWE history. Uh, beyond Theory, you've you've mixed it up with Champa a little bit. Uh, you've got Miz. You've had some interactions with. Looking across the landscape, who have maybe you not stepped in the ring with, or not in quite some time that that really gets you interested? Uh, I mean, being over on Raw, there's there's just so many guys. I, and I, I know I did recently step in the ring with, with The Miz, but what I loved a lot about uh, doing something with him for the first time on TV was the back and forth on the microphone. Uh, I'm a guy that hasn't got a whole lot of uh, mic time. And when you're in the room with The Miz, like that's one of our top guys on the stick. Like If you can't hang with him, it's evident. And yes. I just remember coming back and kind of getting the, like, good job. you know. And I was like, okay, like that's that's validation to me on that level. Like that guy knows what he's doing. And the fact that we were able to go back and forth with some, like some jokes and, you know, 
segues and the, you know there's a lot going on in that segment so there that's a high pressure situation you're back for, sure. for the first time people miz might can, not yeah miz can eat someone alive should he so choose if you can't hang with miz miz will eat you alive on national television and i'm not gonna lie i had some you know like some some lines up my sleeve that i didn't share with him just in case we got them. but like that's that's the reality of what we do you know if someone comes at you now you have to have these lines and kind of defend yourself um, so yeah, I would love to do something, um, you know, once I defeat theory and become the new United States champion, I would love to do something with, uh, uh, with Miz, uh, uh, another guy that uh, I haven't stepped in the ring with a long time, but I know a lot of fans are calling for the match is Seth freaking Rollins. Oh, he took the words right out of my mouth, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like we've known each other a very, very long time. Um, even, even tangled up a few times on the independency and we always just kind of like, one day, like, you know what I mean? So I, I would love to to do that. Um, and even uh, Cody Rhodes, the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes, I think I've never stepped in the ring with him. Um, just recently met him, obviously, as he's joined us. But uh, I think that, I don't know, I've, I've watched a few of his matches here and I was like, oh, I, I could do this and that and that. And I think it's a cool concept, you know, like who's, who's the real American Nightmare, Cody? I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Let's find out, huh? That, that smile, there's your social clip right there. There it is. <laughs> yeah. Post it. Love it. Love it. Love it. You know, I'll take Corey's uh, question and, and stretch it to NXT because I know you have your finger on every brand in this yeah. company. Who in NXT do you look at and go, huh, I see that guy coming next. I want to get a piece of him. And you're right to a point, Vic. I, like, I, I was always that guy, but I find myself recently just again, just to kind of control my passion and, and and again i hope i'm not sounding like bitter or jaded. it's just it's a mental it's a mental thing right like i'm trying to take care of this first and as i watch i care and i go oh this this and i've 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 went into the boss's office for many times saying hey like what about nxt like i'm this seasoned wrestler that has done very well here and i could do really well there if, if the issue is tv time i can help so i see nxt for for what it can be as well and so sometimes again i kind of have to like all right, just pull back, like whatever, you know? I can completely relate with you, you having to force yourself to step back because I was the same way. I'd, I'd come off the road and I'd pull up whatever content we created that that week, whatever 24 special, whatever Stone Cold podcast, yeah. and I would just consume all of it. And it's gotten to the point now where I go, for my own sanity, I come home, Tuesdays, usually I land and I don't think about WWE or anything. I do this podcast and then I shut down for a day, day and a half, just because I have to, because you have to remove yourself and realize, hey, there is more to the world because otherwise, to your point, you've lived it. You'll drive yourself crazy and it can be, you yeah. can become self-destructive, your passion. It's that. And it's also like, man, I'm, 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 I'm a dad of three now, you know? Um, so, you know, when NXT is on, it's also time for me to, you know, get these kids dinner down <laughs> into their tummies and get them ready for bed too. So like, obviously that's going to take precedence and priority over, over watching, but I do, I do keep up. I go over, uh, there's a lot of guys that stick out, but two in particular that I, I, I really enjoy what I see is, uh, Santos Escobar. Uh, I think, uh, I see like a young Eddie Guerrero and him, man, he's just got so much charisma, uh, entering. He's one of the smoothest guys we have. And another one that I just think that it will do really, really well um, if he comes up to the main roster is Carmelo Hayes. Like he's got money written all over him. He's got the, he's already got the look. We can all see that, but he's also got that confidence, which is not, uh, not easy to buy, you know? Um, so yeah, hopefully I get to, you know, kind of mix it up with those two. Um, uh, Melo don't miss, uh, except when he takes on Mustafa Ali. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. What was the feeling like when you finally did return to Monday Night Raw? You got a great response from the live crowd 
having been through what you've been through over the past year plus, all the ups and downs, all the internal turmoil, walking back out to the ring with the lights on you, how did that feel for Ali? You know, like, again, I know the response is supposed to be like, man, I was just happy to be back. And, you know, I, I do miss it. And I did miss it a lot, you know. And even though I took the stand that I, that I took and I, uh, and I stand by it, um, I'm a performer. Um, you know, even though I'm a husband, I'm a father, like I'm, I'm still a performer. And part of me was going stir crazy sitting at home. Uh, I would go to a, a, a warehouse in Chicago known as the Freelance Wrestling Academy. And I would train for hours and I would put out these like kind of like training clips, you know, and people are texting me like, Hey, I'm going to steal this move that you did. Like, cause I didn't know, I didn't know if I was coming back to be honest with you. I was kind of at peace with it at that point. Um, but I'm a performer. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta hit, I gotta get hit. I gotta move. I gotta sweat. Like that's me. Um, so part of me was just really looking forward to being back there. But once I was there, I kind of saw like, this is what I, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not like, I didn't have the same nervous energy that I always had uh, years prior. I, and I think it goes to what I was saying about controlling my passion. Now it's like, um, it's kind of like, what do we have to get accomplished today? Uh, what's the best way to do it? Let's go and do it. You know? But yeah, once I was in the ring, once we started going, uh, especially once the, once the microphone stuff started happening. And I think the crowd reacted to a, a good line that I had on theory about him being all biceps and no balls. And there was like this <laughs> huge response. I was like, Oh yeah, this, this is, this is fun. So uh, at the end of the day, I'm back and I'm going to make the most of it. No, I know it's tough. The struggle's real, but you know, you got a lot of people on your <laughs> side, man. You always have a platform and a place to, uh, to spread the message here on After the Bell. I appreciate that a lot, guys. Thank you. Yes, sir. Mustafa Ali, man. Good luck to you. Thank you, guys. I know we say this every week, Vic, but uh, what an awesome interview. And I, I'm grateful for Ali for for opening up and being as honest and forthcoming as he was about, you know, stuff that he deals with that you and I can never necessarily relate to. But I think it's important that, that that message gets spread. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, Ali, we talk about 205 and we joke, but I remember how passionate he was about that show. And when he said that it was a better show than people gave credit for, I I remember those times sitting there trying to come up with ideas with everybody and how we make this better in the live event. And it was fun. And he is a very passionate individual, but the one word we always talk about is authenticity. He is authentic as they come. He is not afraid to say what he wants to say. He shows his true colors. And at the end of the day, you can't fault anyone for just being who they are. Agreed. I got a lot of respect for that dude. You should as well. Make sure you're following Mustafa Ali on all of his social media because that's where he drops a lot of this goodness. He's a very creative dude. So you may not get eyes on it by watching Raw, but uh, definitely worth going out of your way to find. And while you're at it, make sure you're following us at After the Bell WWE on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at WWE Graves. You can find him at Vic Joseph WWE. Make sure you're listening for free, F-R-E-E, free on Spotify. Just search after the bell and hit the follow button so that you never miss an episode of the greatest sports entertainment podcast in the world. We'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell.